Yo. Yo, yo. Okay, so I had originally started this uh, recording, but um, yeah, I'll just repeat everything I had already just said. But uh, yo, this is the Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds podcast. What it do? What it do? Uh, this is V. Um, pretty much in, what did you call this? 2023 now? So this is a new year, and uh, shouts out to anybody on the West Coast. Uh, I'm going to do this one as a special edition, uh, hour-long one. And uh, just comment on a few things. Uh, definitely comment on where I'm at and where uh, this podcast series is going. <clears throat> Shouts out to all the supporters. Um, the more and more they support it, um, the more intricate my art becomes. And uh, I say that, and I, and I actually truly mean it and thank them. And uh, definitely going to be more supporters. And uh, I thank them before they even start, like... Uh, hit the subscribe button uh definitely find me on insta you can find me on amazon you can find me on multi-platforms uh just keep it close to the vest you know all these links and things <laughs> but um definitely I, I appreciate all the podcasters and uh content creators all the people who you know generate their own uh platforms and go through the process and going and then doing that and uh, generally what it takes and, and people take for granted. Uh, that's why I generally I, I like working behind the scenes and doing uh, my own content so that it creates its own space without me uh, influencing it so much by image. And I, definitely uh, shouts out to Mark Marin. Uh, he's your favorite comedian's comedian. Uh, dry humor, super funny. Uh, you find him chilling in his garage, you know, talking about like, Recording his podcast, talking about his cats and whatnot. Uh, he's cool as fuck uh, on the L.A. sphere. And anybody else, you know, doing their podcasting and actually having some substance uh, versus just an opinion. Uh, there's so many different uh, podcasters and, you know, funny different people who do things. But this one, uh, Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds, doubles as a writer's room. And so generally, if I have someone as a guest or anyone like that, um, we would definitely chop it up, definitely talk about influences, uh, definitely, you know, talk about funny things, but uh, I would definitely comment on how to flip, you know, it as a writer and to, you know, catalog these things down for themselves. Uh, everything's a part of writing and is a part of that creative aspect. Uh, when you think of it that way, you can't really just differentiate one thing and say that it's not doing something when it's actually not doing something it's still doing something <laughs> it's one of those weird conundrums that i always attribute life and i started you know seeing it more and more uh, when i differentiated and called myself v uh my name uh is vernon obviously but that's my government uh, when I started telling people to just say V, you know, just, you know, differentiate, separate myself from the name, start, you know, it was just the image form myself, just slice that, you know, any expectations of what you thought that person does, just <laughs> squelch it before you even, you know, cast an image on myself. And this was, I, I did this in my youth, like way, way, way long time ago. And it's a very powerful thing for an artist to even have a pen name and to go through and have a target audience into what it is that you want to say. And in 2023, my, my audience is, you know, science fiction. It's definitely not 
your quintessential uh, going to what do you call that a comic-con type of setting um, if anything my my story is too raw for that like, <laughs> it's definitely NC-17 and definitely not for children and definitely adult theme where I wouldn't even put it in that category of science fiction and you know the realism uh, of it uh, is something that I attribute just to me spending time with this story. Uh, it goes through uh, something that I've learned in the progression, and I wish that I had spoken, you know, with other artists uh, in my youth, because there's no one to tell them to be like, hey, this is how you're as an artist, this is what you're supposed to do, or as an artist, you should just concentrate on that and, and let other things happen, you know what I'm saying? Like, no one until now in the current, what, 2022, 2023, and, and getting these comments and, you know, speaking. And, and that's why I'm speaking, because I know someone in the future, um, i.e. my son or anyone else, would definitely want to understand, if hey, if this is what I want to do, uh, what does it take to do it? Uh, is it a daily process? Like, you just recorded one week, and what happened in between that week and that week? So uh, I, I look at, you know, artists as not uh, my journalistic fashion because I don't, you know, tell people day to days and, you know, things like that. I, I always flip it into creativity and I look at it as, you know, the progression of an artist and an adapt adaptation. And I, and I mentioned that before. And when you adapt, you're looking at, you know, this establishing self of image and then how it changes and progresses. Um, even the powerful uh, act of calling yourself something else uh, holds that weight. Um, word to Prince or anyone else who, you know, publicly changes their name uh, legally <laughs> and then, you know, have people address them as such and then, you know, the weight and, and how their, their viewpoint and their worldview changes. Um, that's why I speak uh, so brazenly about, you know, how creativity snowballs and you can continue to do so. Um, the inspiration continues to come um, the more you look at it. Um, the more you look at that thing, the more that thing looks for you. And it's, it's one of those magical things. I can't really go into uh, how someone spends 18 hours throughout their day. <laughs> it is, is really, you know, if they were in a space station or on four walls, you know, where would their mind take them and what would the conversations be? And ideally, like for me as an artist, I always broke this down from the inception of my work. Um, I wanted it not to be in a youthful voice, you know, like pretty much everyone where I was from, you know, looked down, looked down on, you know, youthful voices, youthful ambitions, anything new in any way, shape or form was shot down before it even lifted from the ground. Um, and that's even creatively, that's even, you know, in looking into the world in a new aspect and I, I for me you know something in me as an artist I, I wouldn't even know I was an artist yet you know I'm not classically trained didn't go to any schools uh, for arts uh, or uh, linguistics or you know written word or any of these things I just you know gravitated towards it um, and even uh, spoken and speaking uh, I, I started back in like what, like high school, you feel me? Like, what is this? Uh, speaking and uh, telling people about, you know, their DNA and stuff like this and, and how uh, impactful that is for a shy kid to uh, shed <laughs> his, you know, outward 
you know, whatevers or, or kid things as a kid in youth and speak to thousands of people about things that they may or may not know about. And so I, I was curious as to how that was even, you know, allowed uh, for them to be curious about these things. And so I, I started wording things differently and started understanding the impactful things uh, words could play. And so I, I was very mindful, you know, I wish I had seen, you know, friend uh, Leibowitz, uh, far friend, like way, 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 way uh, before, not, hold on. Okay, I got her name right. Um, I wish I had heard a friend when I was like, what, 10, 13, you know, middle school, like, you know, just hearing and understanding what the impactfulness of you know, hearing it from a different race and then, you know, melting that aspect and then seeing this being in her talking about being a creative and making it funny and she claiming and self-proclaiming herself as this and that. And, you know, funnily, you know, like, you know, no one else had said it that way before and still making it swag and drip. Like, I, I pretty much, my hat goes off to, you know, creatives who do that. And to have people understand that they could be themselves too. And, and then too, like if you're writing in a youthful voice, what impactfulness that has. Because you won't be youthful continuing to write in that voice. You know what I'm saying? Like your perspective will change. Your connection will be there. But your message, you know, ideally everything that, you know, pre previously had happened uh, is happening to someone else in a different way at that time. And so now you have as an artist to look at, you know, the grand scheme of things and to design it in a whole different other way that, you know, no one else has seen before in a full 360 vectorless, you know, quantum, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to do. And that, you know, excites me. You know, I, I would love to record and have other people chime in. I, I could record all day um, as long as I had something to drink and smoke. Like, to, to express that on the creative aspect of challenging uh, as an artist. And that, that's, these are the exceptions, inceptions of the story and what brought about uh, Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds. It wasn't, you know what I'm saying, like, I can't even, I didn't want anyone to think of it as a template, uh, if not me saying it first. Um, it was something to leave as a gift, you know, because it's a never-ending story. People are accustomed to getting answers and then running wild with their own whatever it's like regardless of what the creators and writers whoever springboards personal assistants you know what i'm saying like assistant directors give the meaning to the people the people are ideally the ones that give that meaning uh to everyone else and so me uh, i was just making sure that the rest of my work you know reflected a little bit of what I felt at the time, but then too, uh, definitely uh, building up towards a different storyline and, and the expectations of something being different. The, the whole concept, you know, of social had, you know, the impact to me, whereas I, you could easily put me in a seminar or class and someone can explain it to me and then I would still have an endless procession of questions that, you know, could not be answered just, you know, finitely, <laughs> you know, something that is ongoing and the ongoing studies, you know, uh, case studies to 
uh, sample sizes and, and all these, it never truly uh, ended. And, and, you know, definitely as I respect all the collegiates and all, all perspectives, it, it really mystified me where it mystified me where the, the adaptation part, you know, definitely uh, was missing in some way, shape or form. And I was looking and I'm like, okay, if I was to come with a story, like I definitely want it to be a never, literally never ending story. Literally long after I'm gone, like the story's still gonna be going on, like crazy insane. Somebody just, I, I hand it off to somebody's important. <laughs> like what I said, like it's just a, a thing. And, and the socialist aspect of studying and self-discovery and taking notes, um, is something that cannot be taught in school to be inquisitive about something about self and when you're inquisitive about self then you become inquisitive and have a different eye for watching different things uh, that happen when I learned that my voice was going to change and ideally that I would be you know at a different age I started to realize and try to, you know, fortuitously think of what it was that I had to say. Ideally, what, what would be the impactful thing uh, to bring to the all that they had not already heard of before endlessly through a procession of hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands and thousands of years. <laughs> I mean, you can think of it as the base of, you know, of what poetry and philosophy and all these other different great thinkers have thought of. But that's great, that's them. And then two, um, this is the thing that all artists sit with when they create something. In the inception of anything, you know, they're utilizing the tools that someone else has before them. So how do you make it unique? <laughs> you know, how do you put your style on it? And how do you uh, have something to say that makes someone think of it again? And that was something that, you know, sat my ass down for a few years <laughs> to, to even develop, you know, a sense of self or a sense of clarity by, you know, as a youth, I was always defining myself from someone else, you know, oh, that person, I'm looking at television, I'm looking at, you know, outward, 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 like, where is it to the point where I'm looking at my style? And, you know, understanding how the style would develop was something that I was curious about. It was more or less something that I saw as, once again, the sense of self, but how could I go and give an experience without talking about the cliche or make whatever it was that I was talking about different than the last time I talked about it? And that was the interesting thing that was the constant you know self evaluation and the constant daily evaluation of this reaffirmation of being an artist let alone being a writer you know to a writer uh, one has the sensibility of different writers in the way that they do things they have different modes they do different things so they have different rhythms and after a project is done, then they never see each other again. Like it's, that really depends ideally on the success of what it is that they're working on. But to everyone else that I'm speaking with, if you consider yourself a writer in your head, 
if you can predict the things on the television that you're seeing and you're you know saying to yourself you can write a better plot like I definitely caution and challenge you to hold on to that thought and actually do something with it if you can do better <laughs> be like yo I can write better than that I can do better I'm, the dialogue and the twist in the story like yo Anything that you, you have, you, I definitely want people to, you know, capitalize on that and definitely do that because it, it's something that's impactful and make it make sense. So from the beginning, and, and I'm explaining how Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds came together, uh, it was something that I wanted to have as a gift to myself um, beyond ego beyond you know this brazen uh, bravado of self it was to have as a gift to to have this sense of imagination in this time stamp and i can see why people say that like i said before uh in another podcast it, it's it's kind of like a journal but in a, a cool time stamp way you're looking at you know what you were thinking of at that time and where your imagination was and now you know, looking at it as a connection to this vector to where you're thinking of today, uh, it can lead to all these other different areas and different points. And, and I was thinking, I'm like, wow, like, it's a super gift. And the gift of, of humanity for anyone who, you know, is curious as to what it, it means. But at, what I mean by that is like, um, the, the understanding of a societal role in a character and then understanding what uh, nature versus nurture is uh, can give some, you know, parallelisms to our society in the real world isms by looking at, you know, someone else enacting these things. Uh, kind of like neuroplasticity creating this wrinkle in the brain of seeing something and then, you know, making a comparison that was not based off of that before. And I was thinking, I'm like, yo, What's the first thing, uh, and I said this, uh, Big O, you know, the inspiration of, you know, just the inception of people forgetting their memories and, you know, living in a life, post-apocalyptic, whatever you want to call it, in a differential way, you know, and piecing together all the things in their society that was once there, but no basis on it, you know, there's no fact checkers, there's no, you know, judgments of any of these things in their uh, clawing at uh, some semblance of you know uh, familiarity and I, that was the basis of my, my premise of the story like I would run wild with that premise alone you know because the, the original writers to um, the story that I got that from like I said they go they, they ended after like what 20 episodes 25 or something like this I may be giving them more but like 26 or 7 or whatever I was like, yo, they could have went that way, it could have went this way, it could have went all kind of ways. Like, it, 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 there was, you know, certain limitations to having a 22-minute episode, not including the, the you know, uh, uh, commercials. And I looked at it as from a writer's standpoint, uh, if one was to go and create a book, you know, from this as the premise of just memory alone, they don't own... Uh, memory and so I was like okay well what else could be added on to it and so I sat like I said for like over a few years 
to determine what is a healthy society that's not utopian and that's not, you know, nirvana, that's not, you know, some quintessential, um, what do you call this, Gestapo of happiness. Like, what essentially is a, a balanced society that, you know, intricately is so cool, intricately is so interwoven that you have to, like, peel back 10 layers to even understand how cool it is and uh, the people that, you know, hold it together are cool too. I, I was really, like, just curious. <laughs> this society has these different things and when you come up from where I come from, uh, there's the internet and the internet has played so powerfully a role in you know the accessibility of everything that I need anything that I can ask of uh, it's always there and that has not always been uh, back when I was what middle school like that was kind of the thing like it was getting to that point but people still had the big like towers and stuff <laughs> still had you know AOL with the the CD-ROMs and getting into the point of you know burning things for free and Napster and LimeWire and all those cool you know different apps and stuff I'm not going to go down super memory lane but nowadays uh, the accessibility has been you know replaced by the phone and you know it's a personal computer now and like the realms the, the speed like everything light speed and I could never even conceive of you know years ago like what you're downloading a song and it took two seconds like what like after waiting you know hours for a song or even a sound bite that may or may not have even been the sound bite <laughs> that you originally like somebody had just you know mislabeled it and just posted it up to there so that they could download whatever like Trojan, it was just crazy madness back then. And looking from the level of progression as back then, you know, I'm very curious as to what it will be 20 years from now. And, you know, how impactful these things for, you know, imagination are. And as a skill set to hold on to those things versus, you know, attributing or giving them to a machine or anyone else um, if you don't feel it. Uh, the feeling and emotions that I have for these characters go beyond uh, me just making them sound cool or making them, uh, putting them in a Dungeons and Dragons type uh, scenario. The characters were uh, ideally, you know, a reflection of somewhat of what I was seeing. And I, it took some time. And, and I'll say this on this podcast, like, I'm super, 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 super thankful for my journey and everyone who allowed me to be myself and to understand who it was that I was. And I'm not mincing words, but as an artist, you kind of have to have that, you know, positive affirmation of what uh, your artistry is. You know, you just have someone uh, to have, you know, to show your work to uh, and to even if it, you know, looks like whatever, they'd be like, yo, I give you constructive criticism, but then still be there to, to look at your work. Um, the presence of that, you know, versus just initially shooting something down and the negative. The negative has so much of equal, uh, if not, you know, the same amount of weight on a creative aspect of killing something that I always want to speak life into it. 
if anything, because you never know uh, the potential of what that person is capable of in any way, shape, or form. It could be some snotty-nosed kid on a train. could be the next, you know, super producer of the next, like, big film for, like, the next 50 years because you, you gave him that positive affirmation. You, you never know uh, how much uh, and creative just hearing a positive word uh, does for people uh, when you're not used to hearing it. And uh, coming from where I come from, like I say, uh, it's definitely not South Park. <laughs> uh, definitely a little bit more colorful uh, with people there. But the, the affirmation of saying that I was a writer uh, was something that I had to repeat versus anything else that I was hearing from anyone. Um, if not, not even accepted as a form of income or as a form of self. Uh, it's just a, a side project or a B project where I was looking at it as, you know, like, yo, I'm, yo, like one day, like, and you can't really just update people that way. So uh, that, that's ideally where I was coming from, uh, where I came with the synopsis for Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds. Uh, the memory and understanding what a healthy society is was something that I could not answer and that's when I knew I was on to something where both the impactfulness of this question that people attempt to identify with they argue about on CNN and you know national news syndicates but never you know to the point of someone definitively everyone unanimously uh, saying that yo that's you know, a healthy way of dealing with something. Everyone has a different opinion. And so um, I weighed in on that, but then the psychological aspect of memories and how I've seen, you know, over time and over a period of generations, just from, you know, my, my growing up and, and how I grew up, uh, it's very weird uh, to say as a kid, like you grew up in a funeral home and so you know uh, a lot of different things that people deal with at the end of life, um, but usually don't talk about, or, you know, the, the certain things throughout life to appreciate. And, you know, even the hardest of the hardest men, you know, have this aspect when they see, you know, their friend or their mother. And I always, you know, I, this is a kid, like I've experienced the things that, you know, grown folks don't experience until way, 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 way at the end. And it changed my perspective on uh, the appreciation of time and, you know, what it was that memories and how they weighed uh, so heavily on someone. Like you could easily remove um, a memory and that person would be okay. And it's a weird thing um, to even say when you look at someone who claims to be like a hypnotist or uh, all these other different types of crazy Las Vegas type of uh, gimmick stuff. But the thing that like tripped me out was that not even, you know, the removal of the memory, but how even the two people, right? So let me slow up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Let me light up my script. So get this scenario. Two people can be at a place, but have two different accounts of what happened, and they both be right. That one, 
I won't attribute to me just smoking weed. That's not some, you know, semantic he say, she say bullshit. Like, literally, the, the point of having a perspective is so powerful. And that's what memory is based off of, all these different perspectives experiencing this thing uh, called whatever, right? And <clears throat> memory can be off of that, and the descriptions can be so different. So the other thing that I wanted to comment on was that the importance of memory was so powerful. And I've talked about this before and I've, you know, commented on it and actually had, you know, documented articles that are probably quoted and or talked to some attributing uh, this notion and parts of our, our cerebral and our brain uh, to memory or lack thereof. And, and how important that is, you know, in one's life, in one's development. Uh, usually, you know, people attribute their uh, memory to certain times and periods in life. One second, let, let, let me light up. But even still, beyond that, the, the notion of the loss of memory and how impactful that is from a person in going through the motions of them noticing something missing but not knowing where and not knowing of what uh, having bits and pieces people have you know certain notions and that's why psychologists and or shrinks sit down with people to go through and flesh out the details of dreams of uh, different visions because they they are so impactful into a person's you know identifying um, with the rest of reality and, and formulating uh, these connections with people and, and formulating with others. So impactful, so powerful. I, I couldn't even go through all of the, of how impactful it is to others. The, the connections that one develops throughout life that, you know, kind of go beyond uh, their years uh, is something that I, I wanted to, you know, highlight the the loss of memory and the emotions that go along with uh, those things uh, that people go through uh, is something that I wanted to highlight. Um, it's not something uh, put through words. This sensibility of losing something but not knowing of what, when, where, and of how, but then still dealing with coping and then going and going through the emotions that all human beings have. Uh, the, the mental uh, dialogue that goes along with those things were the things that I wanted to highlight. And this coming from someone far removed from the situation, I just thought it was very uh, Rod Serling, very, you know, suspenseful, if not uh, <laughs> something from uh, Alfred Hitchcock, an uh, aspect of developing this realm of, of people who don't know this, you know, cataclysmic event happens, but they all have experienced it. They all have a perspective of it, but different things happen. If this thing happens and there is no, you know, books, there is no delineating of what happens throughout life, then anything is possible, period. Like there, you could have anything on a fantasy level that could be interjected into the story that could amaze the uh, unimaginable. And that is where I began. That is what brought me back to my story 
versus me talking about anyone uh, or their work. Uh, I mean, I could talk about their work for a while until it's very popular, but afterwards, you know what I'm saying, I go back to my work. And it is very, very dope. Uh, it was my own secret and continues to be so um, as my own personal work. Um, my best television show, my best uh, writing has, you know, continued to progress and uh, advance uh, each and every time that I talk about it. But more or less when I pick up pen to page or start typing out and fleshing out the details. Uh, having this notion or even the capacity to, you know, formulate these sentences is just one part. You don't have to be a public speaker to be a writer. You just have to know how to express yourself, to write down the details, and then, you know, have a message. You don't have to be, you know, tree hugger, you know, smoke weed, peace, this, that, and the third. But it's certain things and the things that inspire me and the reason why my podcast series has so many episodes is because different writers have different things that they highlight. This point, this, this, you know, 1980 what? Like, this was a point in period where this was happening. And so these people did that, like... People love these highlighted moments because they had not experienced them vicariously or even if they were there, uh, they may not have known that that had happened that way. Even if it's in like the most colorful, you know, like embellished form, it could have been. The, the possibility of it, you know, adds this enticement to why our eyes are drawn to something for it, a sense of a suspense and attention. Drama. <laughs> Uh, a comedy, you know what I'm saying? Like certain things that uh, developed uh, since, you know, centuries ago. And for me, I, as a writer, I, I, you know, remove myself from that whole perspective of cliché-ism or something that is cliché and start flipping it, you know what I'm saying? If someone was sitting in the crowd and they started having the ability uh, to write what was on the stage, uh, what would it be, you know what I'm saying, from his fantastic mind? Uh, how could he amaze his peers who had seen everything and had seen everything but had not seen everything? Like, you know, this uh, perspective or this idiom that could be created from just a sense of words. And, you know, how could I, I, I entice this human imagination but the adult imagination? beyond the things that they will access, you know, 50 to 150 years from now and still, you know, entice their imaginations into certain things the way that we were with, uh, what is this, Arabian Nights, 100,001 something in Arabian Nights, right? We're still talking about stories that have persisted. Uh, fun fact, a lot of, you know, uh, fantasies were crazy. Uh, super NC-17 stories, by the way. <laughs> but I, I also want to, you know, stress the fact of the the rhythm of doing so. The, the, the creative aspect does not have to be uh, something that feels like work or something that you're trudging or dragging or, excuse me, uh, dragging your feet with. <laughs> excuse me. It, it really should uh, concentrate on the aspect of you expressing and being excited so that the next person is excited and feels that uh, from whatever energy you put in um, in that piece, whatever work, whatever, like uh, people pretty much correlate it and it's a very 
I, I don't even know what to even say scientific method when you can try it tested and true of expressing yourself and it even be like the most impactful thing and then it'd be like something that you really don't even like care about and then people love that and it'd be impactful to them and that once again be like an idiom to the artist and to you know as a, a note or message to self and to have that playfulness with all of their pieces and to love them all equally but then to to even if it's a, an important piece to that artist like to just hold that you know it, the person will see you know your pieces and advancements um, through time it, it takes time for them to correlate that or even to attribute you as an image of an art as an artist um, young that's, that's why I was talking about young writers and you know seasoned writers uh, why people you know have the seasoned writers sitting on you know panels and then even the young writers uh, which they have as well and I've seen a few young writers and they come with pieces and they've talked about things but I'm always if ever I see a young writer it's always to this point where I'm like okay mm, when is the next book gonna drop <laughs> like versus just those one shots you feel me one tell all about their lives and things that they did on an autobiographical level what else you know on a creative aspect Stephen King like can you bring that you know would some stuff like <laughs> every year you know as a contender for the playoff of being an, a New York Times bestseller and I, I don't you know hold people super accountable for uh, the content that they bring I, I don't think of you know it as a competition in any way shape or form um, I just look at it as that aspect in the fantasy football you know it just says you're you know checking your peers and, and understanding that they're doing work too um, even if other peers from different generations are getting highlighted um, I am quite cognizant of the things that you know other 35 year olds are doing other 28 year olds are doing and other 25 year olds are doing um, it's very curious and very uh, mercurial to see this generation uh, being very accessible uh, being very uh, vocal and uh, holding some credence into uh, creating culture and establishing it. And I've talked about this on my podcast where cancel culture is very powerful too. And, you know, it began to gain weight back, you know, when I started my story, but I never, you know, this or that. Uh, I really... <laughs> Excuse me for uh, the rest of my pieces having like uh, random sound bites in it, but yeah, I, I really wanted it to be a reflection of what fantasy can always be in any different aspect. Like the the same uh, attributive things that we think of as images and we think of it as normal. I wanted it to be unnormal in my story. And always sense of like adapting. You know, you looked at it one time and then it's totally something different the next, but it's not an illusion. But wait, isn't this not an illusion? Like the word, but no. There's <laughs> certain things that I wanted to establish and I had to flesh these ideas out. And it takes time, not for generally every artist. Um, there's certain gifted artists that come with their first, second, third, and fourth book and they they come with the heat you know like they they understand 
uh, Saul Williams like to this rhythm and they have this voice and they have this message that they want to you know springboard and electrify people with and I look at this as you know this point that those are the gifted ones and I'm still you know what I'm saying battling my childlike self I'm definitely not going to try to you know battle anybody else in their intellectualism and the messages that they bring in the world that they created uh, I'm still crafting my own <laughs> so from that I, the hearing colors to kill sounds uh, began and, and I started you know taking just personal accounts and started writing and uh, from if you were ever familiar with the show 24 um, it was a very interesting you know suspenseful show it tripped me the fuck out because they had like time and it would be ticking at the beginning of a scene and then you know at the like the point of 24 or wherever it was it was me and my friends would get a super kick out of it and there's nothing crazier than than coming into a house and, and sitting uh with the super gangsters of guys like sitting on a couch you know smoking blunts watching jack bauer like argue with somebody on the telephone while he's flying through the air like it's insane bro like anyway <laughs> the 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 inspiration behind you know the beginning pieces were giving an uh, account of each and every one of my characters from that point of the loss of memory and so uh each one starts at that point of you know zero and then going from in dealing with the emotions uh, then later on throughout the middle of the story, uh, I give some time lapse from that point of the forgetfulness into the time period of them actually uh, utilizing and starting meeting up and interacting with one another. Now, the, the, the point of the setting, um, I, I don't speak on it too much. I always, you know, talk of it as this like forested area or uh, this dream-esque type of uh, place. And it was definitely forested. It definitely looked like, you know, countryside. Definitely uh, was influenced by, you know, animes like Inuyasha or something like that. And it was definitely something that I looked at where the imagination was limitless. So what you're thinking of a tree is like, I don't know, 30 feet tall, 50, quite possibly all the trees in this place uh, could very well be over a hundred feet tall or quite possibly larger than that and you know unimaginable uh, fantasy super like swooping deep willow like the sky isn't even the same color as our color so I mean where could I begin on describing the setting and this attributing to how uh it's so large and, and I spent time trying to you know verse it into a few of the pieces and you know words always fall short when you're trying to give some in-depthful uh, aspect of it and that's why I love uh, different languages because they have words that are not in other languages and phrases but uh, I did my best in doing so it was really uh, attributed to a different type of style and, and you could leak of like reading it on like reddit or something like this but i really wanted it to read uh the way someone was reading it on a pad and if it was just you know someone leaving notes or just you know emphatically how uh the thinking of the nature of looking at a pad and how that changes uh the way we process things 
Um, that was also something else that I put in there that I, now that I think of in retrospect. <clears throat> and, you know, me actually digitally uh, creating the content uh, from a digital format, um, I just updated it. But, I mean, you don't have to write everything down. You can type things out. Whatever feels comfortable for the writing aspect and, and, and it is your part of your rhythm, then how about that, right? Like, <laughs> So uh, I, I'm going to end this in the next five minutes, but the, the, the beginning of the inception and all of the, the settings were so vastly different from the last one that I could not, you know, replicate it, nor did I ever try to, uh, if ever any of the characters interacted uh, or intersected through stories. And I didn't start that until probably like the third book or the fourth but I'm definitely going to incorporate it into the fifth book. But it definitely, and, and you know, I, I took some cues from, you know, Final Fantasy. Uh, definitely some different aspects of, you know, world building and how and what it looks like when you build a set thing. And it doesn't look like, you know, a countryside with just boulders on, you know, a Scotland Yard or something like this. Like, it, it has some, you know, meadows. It has blades of grass. It has you know, uh, a foothills, it has footprints from where people have walked, uh, it has, you know, animals, it has fauna, it has different things that happen at different times of the day. And so I, I wanted to complement those things uh, by uh, the very nature of what everyone is familiar with, with it coming with, you know, speech and uh, the written word, but making it in a fashion that made sense and people often mistake it for poetry. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, poetry sounds cool to someone from a collegiate world, but I'm super wild as fuck, so I'm going to say that I'm not, and this is not poetry. <laughs> it's not even spoken word poetry, and I read it as uh, sometimes in a rhyming format, and you don't have to read it as such. You can read it however you want, and, and the, the first book was me developing that rhythm but two, once again, I was developing where the setting took place. And Celestia was so vast. Like, it was this, like, blip and then, you know, kind of uh, circling out in a spiral of all the different uh, aspects and different areas that were vastly different. And you can think of the forest aspect as one of them in the beginning. And like I say, the trees are insanely large. The sky, insane, forest, insane, uh, <laughs> sheer scales, uh, nothing compared to even our largest planet in our solar system. And then I started describing, uh, you know, like different uh, settings with lakes, uh, lake like not Lake Placid or anything like that, but definitely lakes where uh, it was cool and it, it kind of had a northern... <clears throat> what do you call this, uh, Californian vibe to it. Uh, before I even got here, I was thinking of those types of areas or even like a place that had uh, more rain and, and things like this. But uh, the other part that I had was um, developing this, the fantasy element. And I didn't incorporate that super, super, super until later on, what I want to say, like, the second book or the third book and even upon doing so 
the the aspect of me and going back into there, um, it was the Rococo storyline, and they basically have a what do you call this? A village uh, with floating houses, and so just in fitting a mansion in a floating uh, pit or giant, whatever, and still perpetually <laughs> you know sustaining itself uh, became uh, not an obsession, but something that. I looked at it as like an interesting story or a fairy tale that I could tell someone. And then you, you kind of get where I was going uh, with the themes by these different settings that changed. And it became, uh, as I started working on the story more and more, uh, more of a dreamscape. Uh, more of me describing these things that people looked at it as dreams or looked at it as definitely science fiction. like. There's definitely the realist aspect of it, but definitely the aspect of it being super science fiction that you couldn't really differentiate or give an explanation to. Um, no point of religion or anything uh, could explain uh, these natural occurrences uh, that I was describing in the story. So, like I say, it took some time uh, to develop that as uh, a story, as something that I wanted to establish as what I wanted to give to humanity as a gift, if they were willing to see it. And it wasn't for me to even get upset about. I mean, the whole purpose of an art is to make something and then hand it off, and the rest of it happens <laughs> the way it's supposed to. And for me, I got from it, and I'm not even going to say what I got from this story, but it, it's life-changing of asking the questions, what is nature versus nurture? Uh, who are you at your core? Uh, is it the things that have happened to you or is it innately in your DNA, the things that were inevitably uh, to happen? <laughs> like, it's just, you know, I don't even know what these certain stories are and people have it where, you know, twins were separated at birth, um, but they always gravitate back to doing the things that, you know, uh, actually, they share the same qualities. And for me, I'm just like, well, yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I I'll go into uh, the rest of the inception of Hearing Colors to Kill Sounds. Uh, I'm going to end it here at 50 minutes. And uh, this is for anybody else on the sound bites and they wanted to invite me on the podcast series. I, I have many, many things to explain, many uh, stories that I'm working on right now. Uh, I'll start writing down down more when the book starts uh, coming together, but I already have the title of it. I already have the stuff ready to go. So uh, more projects I'm doing this year, uh, adding more to this, and uh, super thankful. I've never even thought I would ever get to this point in my life. Super thankful for that, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much awesomeness from here. So yeah, this is V, aka Vernon English. Uh, peace.